before we get into this, do you guys have a Blu-ray that you regret purchasing? Because I have a few. Oh, so many. And oh I was, I was curious shit. if so there was many. one that stuck out that you just wanted to, like, just chuck it out the window. Can I go take a quick glance at my Blu-ray mm-hmm. collection? I actually, yeah. I'll, while Spencer's doing that, I have two Blu-rays that I've returned. And mm-hmm. I can remember them off the top of my head. There's... Because it's hard, it's hard for me to return a, a movie after buying it, regardless of how bad it is. But I did return Apollo 18, which is like oh a really God. shitty that, horror movie I've seen that, that takes twice. place on the moon. Okay. I watched it uh, twice. Didn't like that. And <laughs> no. also Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Vampire Slayer. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I feel yeah, like everyone just, in their life has returned yeah. that movie at some point. Yeah. <laughs> You go into any bull moose and there's like 50 copies of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter yeah. for like $6 a piece. Yeah. Um, like I have so some I movies that, be... that yeah. I've bought that I just, I haven't watched, which I guess I could just return them and not have any like care in the world. Like some movie called, I don't even remember now, but it's like some post-apocalyptic war movie. And then some movie called Paris Je T'aime. Which has like Natalie Portman in it, and I'm like, oh, this sounds really cool. And it was, I just, I've never watched it. But there's a Criterion mm. that I bought that I sincerely regret, and it's called Blow Up. Um, Blow Out? Blow Up. Oh. Um, it is the French version of Blow Out. Oh, um, for real? <laughs> okay. It is, yeah. No, it's about this guy who uh, is a photographer, and he takes a picture and he sees a body kind of thing so nice actually sounds good yeah yeah. oh my god it was just a drag and nothing really happened so yeah go don't watch blowout by michelangelo antonioni just don't do it what about you spencer you got one i really enjoyed that as i was looking at my blurry collection i just seemed like i was listening to an actual podcast (laughs) that's interesting (laughs) Uh, but no uh the movie that I decided to pick, and it's not because it's a bad movie. For one, it's not very rewatchable, and two, because I think I paid retail value for it when it came out. That's that's when we were like buying Blu-rays at that time, and I'm like, oh, I really want to see it. Like, I think it has Oscar contention. I remember like kind of being being fresh, and I'm like, oh, I got twenty bucks. I'll 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 buy it. (laughs) We bought a zoo. Are you fucking? I have that. I definitely have. It's a fine movie. It's a fine movie, but it's one of these movies where it. now, if you go into a used Blu-ray store, you can get it for two ninety-seven or like three ninety-seven. It's like overproduced. Like it, you can find this movie, this physical media, like in every single like pawn shop that has movies and stuff. Is it it's anything? Um, like I paid like a twenty bucks for wife? this. Um, like it, it's yeah. it's a nice family movie, but like I'm never gonna watch it again, and I paid way too much for it. So that is. Is why there any I failed marriages in it? Well. Wow. Blu-rays that we don't like. You guys are ready to get physical and uh, talk about something that we might like? Oh, yeah. Let's get physical. Absolutely.
Welcome to episode four of Those Movie Dudes Presents Collector's Corner. It is our new weekly show where we do a deep dive into our own physical media collections. And this week, we had a film. We, we had one of those films that comes once in a while, and uh, it was the 1957 war film called Pass of Glory, Glory. starring Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, starring Kirk Douglas and directed by Stanley Kubrick. Since the publication of the book 25 years ago, no one dared to make this movie. It was too shocking, too frank. This one I have wanted to rewatch for a long time because I bought it on Criterion because I was so intrigued with the cover and the sound of the story. And this was an early dive for me into Stanley Kubrick. I think up up until this movie I had only seen The Shining and maybe like Eyes Wide Shut at this point. Um, so going into this one, which came out in 57, there's a lot of early Kubrick that stands out in this. But I want to know what you guys thought originally when you went into this film. For me, I, I haven't seen very many of Kubrick's films, but fortunately after meeting you guys, uh, I think Spencer introduced me to The Shining back in when I was like 17 or something. Nate, you introduced me to 2001 and... I think I might have just watched Full Metal Jacket on my own or something. Um, but, like, I, I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut. I haven't seen most of his films, including this one. So um, I was kind of excited to check out another one of Kubrick's filmography, especially one of his earlier films. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Kirk Douglas. So this was really just going in blind. I knew very little about the story. Yeah. Uh, so on IMDb, he has 16 directing credits. And I have seen... a good amount of them but i really haven't seen a lot of his earlier stuff as in like passive glory uh, i could have rewatched spartacus we watched that in latin class in high school oh, and as well oh, as things where it took okay. like two classes so I've it's like some of that. we actually did watch the killing i bought that on criterion that's a great movie uh, mm-hmm. that i enjoyed i have not seen lolita barry lyndon and um barry lyndon. fear and they desire talk about those barry are the lyndon. ones that i have not seen yeah out of his uh, films but i do really enjoy his work when it comes to passive glory uh yeah i didn't know too much about it going into it It was one of those films that i'd kind of always seen on the criterion shelf in barnes and noble when we'd go and check out like the 50 percent off sale um mm-hmm. and i just see kind of a shot of kirk douglas and he looks like an old man in the poster and i'm like oh what's this kirk douglas old man doing like <laughs> doing in a war like, what's he doing silly man <laughs> But like going, so I go into this movie. I didn't Get know out too of much. Here, you, you other than silly your boy, other than your line of like, it's a war movie that's not really about the war. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm down. And I gotta yeah. say, this movie I think is magnificent. But I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we'll get into it. Yeah, no, for sure. And this film's got 95% Rotten Tomatoes, 4.3 on Letterbox, 8.4 on IMDb. These are numbers that like I feel like you would genuinely or generally put with like his other films like Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, those like real mainstream movies that uh, movie fans love. But no, this is a one of like the first big anti-war films and Kubrick was 28 years old when he made it and the fact that he was able to produce this unsung masterpiece like, when I first watched it, I don't think I appreciated it enough. I, I really enjoyed it. But watching it this time was the quickest hour and 28 minutes I think I've spent with a movie. Just it because... 
Kubrick, he doesn't waste time with these side characters and extra stuff. He gets right to it. And that's what I appreciate about this one, just because of how, how tense it is throughout the entire film. It's just crazy. Like all the side characters that are in this movie are important and vital to the story as well. Like, and it was so interesting kind of learning about each character and their characteristics and kind of who they are and exploring. Cause this movie is very much a look at humanity just like human nature and just the bullshit politics that's involved in war. And I love that it kind of peeled back the layers and like, it wasn't afraid to attack that. And I've, I've read that this movie was like banned in like France for a very long time and other sending a message. And I, it made me pissed off at times too. Like in that courtroom scene, just how naive the fucking uh, prosecutors were. It's just like, Oh my God, it was terrible. I think that this I going going into the for the first time I didn't realize that it was going to be like a anti-war film that isn't really about warfare. So that actually took me by surprise when the film started to go in that direction and I was like, okay, I thought we were going to like be in the trenches fighting the entire time, but then it kind of turns into this like war military-based courtroom drama, which I didn't not like it. I just kind of took me by surprise. I mean, Kirk Douglas, man, in this movie, kind of playing the the audience pleaser, the guy that's on the side of all, like, the everyday men, all the privates and the, and the corporals and stuff. He was really, really good in the movie. I also, just... with, like, the cinematography in this movie, like, the, the actual, like, sets that they built, like, all the trenches and everything, the costumes, even the explosions for the 50s, like, it was, it seemed very true to the time. <laughs> there were some issues with some of the extras, not just the shot that Spencer showed me, uh, oh sent God. to both of us, but... I think when it came to, like, when they were storming the anthill, like, initially, people were just falling over. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, it, like, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I was just like, okay, this is, like, really getting me into this type of film. Like, this, the time in filmmaking when, yeah, extras were kind of just, like, an afterthought. Like, they focus really well on the main characters of the story. But they're like, all right, run through this field, and whoever falls over, just fall over or whatever. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. how it went, but that's kind of what it seemed like. <laughs> and I think it worked, though, because it, it kind of <laughs> it showed how much of a chaos war can be. You just like some of those wide shots where you just saw all the troops moving in one direction like that's that's pretty intense because like you're not necessarily focusing on one person in particular. Like Kirk Douglas always sticks out because he had the whistle. So you yeah. always knew where he was. But then, like, yeah, you'd see the extras, like, they'd be perfectly fine, and then they would do, like, their worst faint and just fall. Yes. And I get that. <laughs> um, and they, I think they did their best at trying to, like, match the explosions, because <laughs> there was a lot of explosions. Right. Compared to, like, a bunch of other war films, I think the last one that did a, kind of a similar job was uh, Hacksaw Ridge, because you saw a lot of the battle, Yeah. but then you also got the human behind the curtain, like, you see that in this one. You get, what, one big battle and one nightly patrol, and that's all you really get as far as warfare. But seeing absurd corruption that started to develop, it just pissed me off. The general, I think, the Moreau, the guy with the scar on his face, oh my god. I wanted to kill yeah. him. I yeah, wanted to I kill was, him. I hated he, him. He was oh, one of those characters awful. that you want to jump through the screen and just wring this guy's neck. You're just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> And, like, it, it just shows that – and I I have personally, like, I never wanted to be in the military. I just don't think I, I would have lasted whatsoever just because of – first of all, I'm an only child, so I have a sense of entitlement. I couldn't have people above me 
telling no. me what to do all the time. It's like I have no choice. Like it's just it would really be a problem. So I, I totally can see it from the perspective of these privates that are just like, I don't want to die. And like, especially World War One, like you're probably going to die. So it's like, yeah. it's just crazy, dude, with the, especially how he was acting toward people. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? It really did piss me off as well. I know, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, when that scene when he was ordering to fire on his own troops and the guy who was taking the radio call was like, no. Like, That'd be you me. gotta that sign be a me. piece I'd of be paper like, because no, I am you. not doing that. Like you're <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Like I'm not doing. I love that scene, but for me, I mean, and Johnny, you're kind of critique with the uh, the trenches and the warfare. Mm-hmm. I do kind of agree with like the warfare wasn't as strong as when the movie switches to the courtroom drama of like defending the soldiers' lives. That what for me is when like the movie just it felt like a short film from there. Just like holy mm-hmm. shit, it flew by. Um, and I just love that the, they were able to kind of show the incident, what was kind of going on, like all the men's mentality during the war and just how hectic and chaotic it was. And then to kind of see who just randomly gets picked for like the three executions and like how they yeah. have to come up with a story or just explain their story, but that no one's going to listen to them and their minds are already made up on like what their fate's going to be. It was mm-hmm. just so like, yeah, like it just, it's hard to watch this movie and it not like boil your blood. It's like these guys are just yeah. yeah, they're trying to do their job. They're trying to serve their country, but yeah, their country's just gonna fucking kill them for because of this yeah. asshole general or captain, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that, crazy. that courtroom oh. scene in itself. Just every time Kirk Douglas Douglas had a rebuttal to what the the prosecutor was saying, you're sitting there kind of you're pumped because you feel it and you know the people sitting at the table they're doing what they think is right but then when he does the whole thing like you guys are gonna have to live with this if this goes through you see a bunch of the people at the table just kind of like well maybe he's right but then they'd cut to the general sitting on the side up on his high horse just like yep i made all this happen literally laid out on a couch in a corner oh i was so (laughs) and that doesn't even make me as mad as when i saw his stupid smirk when the executions were about to take place you see him just sitting there just looking at him kirk douglas looks at him it's just you can feel the tension without any words and that's the genius of kubrick to me is how he's able to show human emotion that way and then i also can see like he did a lot with um similar stuff with the the killing with just mm-hmm. the characters and even has the same actor in the killing that he's playing the crying soldier tom curry mm-hmm. is tom that his carey, name? Yep. tom yep. carry i'd also read a little bit uh, behind the scenes i guess like he had he get fired because he was just a total asshole on set and like mm-hmm. faked a kidnapping or something for a he went to jail son, and like what? yeah he went to jail uh, for that and refused to and sign stuff. a statement like and so they had to let him go so there's like a scene where the preacher comes in and they're mm-hmm. talking and that tim carey's character he's like on the ground praying back to there was a stunt double like they couldn't show the three characters in the battle scenes because they shot those last okay. because if they showed two of them and not the third one they would think something's up so they had to kind of make sense okay yeah mix its way through and the thing with kubrick like i learned so much about him from these supplements because Everyone thinks he's just this hard, tough, stone-faced guy when he's apparently the most open to any ideas as long as they work. Most directors wouldn't want to have a producer on set because they would try and put their foot in, but he, like, welcomed it. And so... Question. Yeah. 
Is that like early Stanley Kubrick? Do you know if that applied to like him later on in his career? Because I think he's famous for having this massive ego. Or maybe it's just like his determination of like control on set. It's that. It's okay. he he doesn't care. Uh, that was the best way to put it. He he's not worried about like what some studios would do. It's just we need to get a project done. He wants to do everything right. So he's kind of a perfectionist. In a Makes way, so in like when they way did the too, scene right? with the duck, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they did that scene fifty-seven times. They had to cook fifty-seven ducks. <laughs> Wait, what scene with the prop duck? department in this film? <laughs> when they're Kudos eating to them? Oh, it's oh, like that. their last yeah, yeah. meal. Okay, yeah. And apparently, Tim Carey like just tried to improv, and during Kirk Douglas's <laughs> let's keep making montage, like where he's doing his speech. Apparently, Tim Carey was, like, leaning on the back legs of his chair, and he fell over. Right in the middle of Kirk Douglas' speech. Oh. It's like, and they originally, like, with the end of this movie, when they had to sell it to United Artists, they kind of agreed on a happy ending. So, like, having the guys get away. Oh, but wow. the produce But the producer knew that that wasn't the best way to, like, do the film. And so he would send scripts to the executives... And he knew they weren't going to read them because they're these busy executives. They're not going to look at it. They're going to trust that these guys did it. And so he was able to switch the ending they agreed on. And then when they eventually read it, they really liked it. So it kind of, it worked out. Well, I honestly wasn't expecting, but I guess it was kind of inevitable just considering how the rest of the film went with the storyline. It's just like, it was, whoever was higher ranked, it was going to end up going their way. I think the the movie does a really good job at kind of showing how these characters would react in a situation like this just like it and at times it is the 50s so like the acting to me like at times when they were like kind of like freaking out or sobbing or something seemed a little bit kind of iffy over the top a little bit over (laughs) the top like like he like gets down he's like oh please save me please like stuff like that i'm just like "Uh." but like it works it still works and uh i think he did it pretty pretty well so all of those characters were just compelling because they all had different personalities. Like you had that family man, you have this tall, bumbling, crying guy. And then the other guy, the uh, private Arnaud, I think his name was, who played Lloyd in The Shining, just seeing these guys perform. And once again, Tim Carey just made it difficult. He was just a nuisance the entire time, which I would, I'd be pissed if something like that happened. But, but it was just magnificent either way. It was crazy. And how did this didn't get any Oscar love? Probably because Ugh. of the anti-war. Is, I'm sure at the time it was controversial. It makes sense mm-hmm. that, it, that it was. And I'm sure yeah. that's, what it, I mean, that's what it's saying in the trivia behind the scenes and stuff. That it very much was with abandoned countries and all that. Um, this was but, only like maybe 10, 15 years after like World War II. And mm-hmm. a little bit before the Vietnam War. So I don't know what the country was like at the time either. Like having an anti-war film probably probably not the best thing i guess maybe that's why as well but but i mean it shows the test of time though i mean it's still being hailed as one of the best war films ever made it's got a 4.3 on letterboxd uh it's number uh, number 60 in the imdb top 250 i mean they mentioned the score and imdb it's 8.4 i believe yeah, that's high on imdb like kirk douglas like read the script and was like this movie is not going to make any money which it didn't but mm-hmm. in 50 years, like, people are going to look at this movie and still hail it as, like, a magnificent piece of filmmaking. And it really is. It's it's great. And sure enough, that came true. Because what are we, 50-plus years later? 2021. Yeah, There's a podcast. Collector's Corner, so there you go. <laughs> Man. But, Glory. Yeah. 
Um, this was also <laughs> based on a book. Oh. And the book that was also kind of based on real events that happened, because apparently during World War One, one of the men who this happened, like they got caught in the trenches, couldn't get out, and they were put on court-martial and eventually executed, one of the men's wives, like, fought it for years and, like, tried to clear their name because they knew it wasn't the men individually. And that's what makes it really hard, is the fact that they they didn't put people who were responsible on trial. They just picked three men that had no... To make an example. Nothing really to is, do with it. Yeah. Which is so inhumane. It's so messed up. And that that's another thing that just pissed me off in this movie, especially because the people who were in charge of choosing also were biased that one character was very mm -hmm. biased and that was just so far another thing that just really bothered me but at least he uh he kind of no, had what was coming you know that's what i love that mm -hmm. kirk douglas was like you are gonna be in charge yeah. of the execution yeah i know what you did and you are gonna have to deal with this for the rest of your life which so he's gonna have to live with that every that's shit even character more of a punishment it's like, like, like every shit character did get punished which like, mm -hmm. like you know what i mean which it's, which is good yeah. so everybody kind of comes full circle oh, yeah which is what is a nice addition to the film with the general and that other guy so and those were some great scenes of dialogue too with uh, the final confrontation you're a sad sadistic old man <laughs> like a great scene and i'll go yeah. to hell before i ever apologize to you ever yeah. again yeah. Incredible. and you just see kirk douglas like fumed he's been biting his tongue this entire movie but when that commander goes Oh, well, General, is it true that you uh, ordered a barrage on your own men? So casually. And he immediately gets, yeah, like, oh, mm. I, I can't believe you would accuse such a thing. And then him just storming out validates the fact that they're right. Like, if he really didn't do that, he would stand his ground. He would have more like, confidence in that. But he just sold himself short and just walked out. But Kirk Douglas, even though this other commanding officer is there, he's like, yeah, I'm not apologizing to you either. Just because you're getting him in trouble doesn't mean I'm through with you. And yeah. they talk about morale yeah. this entire movie. Like, how sick do you need to be to say, oh, in order to get your troops' morale up, you need to shoot a man every now and then? It's like... Tied from the inescapable fact that a good many of your men never left the trenches is the question of the troops' morale. Don't forget that. The troops' morale? Certainly. These executions would be a perfect tonic for the entire division. There are few things more fundamentally encouraging and stimulating than seeing someone else die. That so should tell you up. right there that you should not be in, as a commanding officer because that is yeah. the wrong thing to say. It was hell on earth, basically, at the time. Like, I couldn't imagine being around in the 19, what, 1916 that this took place and just having to deal with this type of stuff. And it's sad to think about. The way but... that the, the war was fought in that time is what really mm -hmm. just kind of floors me. It's like... These guys were in trenches. It probably smelled awful. Dead bodies, rats. I mean, there was mustard gas. And when they were fighting, they were probably gaining a couple hundred yards every few weeks on these, on, or nothing. It's like, mm -hmm. what are you even fighting for? Thou millions of people died in that war. It's just such a, I don't know. Yeah. And, this, and this definitely brings light to that situation because of the task that they are given to go take the anthill, which I'm guessing is just like a small base or something just to... For what? <laughs> to kill 75% yeah. of your soldiers? As the generals seem to be so what okay cost? with? Like, why? It's, it's, yeah. it's like, dude, what the fuck? I just can't get over the fact that Stanley Kubrick, who is about, what, two to two and a half years older than we are right now, 28 years old, directing, writing this film, and just making a fucking great film that's stood to the test of time. I just can't 
can't get over that. Like, just it's insane to me. He's yeah. a different breed. He's yeah. he's one of those ones that we'll probably never see again, because honestly, like I've watched a lot of his mainstream movies, but I can't really say anything bad about. He just has a very Any different style, I think. When it like, especially when it when it comes to movies like Full Metal Jacket, it's just different. The way that he just mm-hmm. the way that he does things is just different. Like I thought that movie was like overly long, but like every scene has a purpose and stuff, and the dialogue he creates is also really really fascinating. And and that's the common complaint of 2001: Space Odyssey is like the majority of people. It's like it's slow and boring, and it's like it it's, is. Yeah, and it it really it really is. But if you <laughs> it is when yeah. you're watching it, it though, is. like if it, I don't know, just it's mind blowing. Like it's what he was able to do, like with the story and like what he's trying to say. It, it's it's if crazy. You really read in into filmmaking it, you're like, in the okay. late sixties. Yeah, and yeah. all of his Love movies, it. like they have different settings, like Full Metal Jacket's War, Clockwork Orange. I think takes place over in England. Barry Gangs. Lyndon's a period piece. All that stuff. There's a common denominator in all of them, and basically all of these movies like point the finger at humanity and be like, "What are you gonna do in this essential situation?" And like in The Shining, you had this father going insane, so his morals were corrupted. He he does a lot of different things, but he always keeps that one thing similar. His characters are always like riveting. Like I'm always intrigued by them we get a deep look into the the minds of these characters like i don't know what kind of person do you have to be to order a barrage of fire on your own men just to show them what courage is all about like that's not courage if you want to show morale go out and do it yourself like that's that shows morale shooting men isn't going to do that that's going to make them terrified to screw up which might cause them to screw up so i don't think they're really helping and every time Kirk Douglas was like, you guys know this is dumb, right? Like, in modern terms now, like, everything he said could be summed up into, are you really going to do this to these people that did nothing? And you're going to feel good about it? It, it, it kind of made my stomach turn during those scenes. It's almost honestly. like the, uh, the London Silly Nannies going against the New England Patriots. Like, you know you're going to get absolutely destroyed, but, you know, you do it anyway because you're told to do it, so... I thought we were going to compare it to Family Guy because we haven't brought it up yet. That is that is the episode that reminds me well, of. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, okay. Here to help. The nonchalant way they're like, oh, you don't need to read the indictment. We know what this is about. It's like they already made up their decision before they even had the trial. It's yeah. like, what's the point of having the trial? To give Kirk Douglas one of the most underrated monologues in film history. Of him defending those guys. Um, That's an Oscar real moment, no doubt. Yeah. So, uh, you guys want to do some final Mm. thoughts on this one? We can get it graded. Jonathan, Uh, you want to uh, tell us about this uh, little Kubrick film and your final thoughts? Yeah, so like I said going into it, I didn't really know much about it other than this is Stanley Kubrick. I haven't seen enough of his films, and I'm going to watch it for a collector's corner. But yeah, I, I didn't expect this to be the courtroom drama that it was, so it did take me by surprise. It did take me out of it a little bit, but once I kind of accepted, okay, this is the film... I really was very impressed by it. Um, I think that it was shot very well. Stanley Kubrick just has a way with storytelling that's very different from any other director I've seen. Um, for the 50s, the, the 
the trenches, everything to do with the with the with the production design was I was completely into it. Like it felt like I was there. Kirk Douglas, amazing in this movie. I really was kind of kind of blown away with his performance. I haven't I think I did watch Spartacus or whatever, but like I just haven't seen enough of him. But this does make me want to kind of check out more more of his stuff. I think overall, I mean, the movie is it is it is very very well done. I think compared to his other films that have just like blown me away, movies like 2001 or The Shining, I don't think this one is quite to that level for me. Maybe because I've only seen it one time. But yeah, considering I've only seen maybe five at most of his films. I probably put this one at the bottom, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's still a very, very good film. So after a first time watch, I'm going to go three and a half out of five. It could definitely go up from there if I saw it again, knowing what it is. But for right now, I think that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm going to go in a, a different direction because I've seen a good amount of his movies. So I've got to see a couple of the other ones like Barry Lyndon and Lolita and, and on some of his early ones. But I love this movie. I thought... This was just a fascinating look at some of the behind-the-scenes politics of war. And I love some of the themes and messages that Stanley Kubrick was just trying to show with this movie. And being 20 years old, like that's it's an insane achievement to be able to pull off a movie this mature at that young of an age with Kirk Douglas and giving a great performance as well. But like I just couldn't believe how much my blood was legitimately boiling during certain mm-hmm. scenes of just these guys having to go through what they went through. And I gotta say, I really, really like this movie a lot. I think my one kind of nitpick is that it does kind of just end out of, out of nowhere. And I probably could have watched more uh, from the movie, but mm-hmm. the movie, you know, it, it's quick and it's to the point. It's got a message and it comes in and then it goes out. So I appreciate that as well. Uh, so I think this is a fantastic movie. I'm glad I finally have checked it out. It's one of my favorite Kubrick movies, to be honest. I'd rank it in his, you know, top three. I don't know where uh, yet, but I'll have to think about that more. But I'm going to go four and a half out of five. Uh, I could consider Ooh. buying this on Criterion. Uh, if the sale happens again, which I'm sure it will, uh, it's a great film. I really, really enjoyed it. There was a reason why I chose this one again because i remember the first time watch and being like oh it's only an hour and a half and it's a kubrick film like this can't be right but it's done masterfully like the scenes where the camera is going through the trenches and all the men are kind of parting the red sea letting moses go through you just see the respect that they have for this man and the way that they're able to use this warfare but almost put the war on the back burner and tell a more human story it it really shows the power of what kubrick was able to do and like i can't even like make my own breakfast and he was out (laughs) making a movie at 28 years old with arguably the biggest star in the world kirk douglas at the time so i'm very envious of what this man was capable of doing um throughout his life unfortunately he's no longer with us died uh shortly after eyes wide shut he he's left a legacy behind him and this is one of those ones that i don't think gets enough credit but i'm gonna call it one of his best films and you can see where it is on my list on our instagram the last this all these movies i've been given really high grades i just can't help it this one's a five out of five for me like the quickest hour and a half watch the Criterion looks beautiful for any physical media people out there. Pick this version up because this is the way it needs to be watched. Stuck right through to the end and you think it ends you on a bad note and then you get this beautiful final scene of the woman singing and the soldiers humming and it just 
it, it, it breaks your heart almost puts you in their shoes like how they felt at this time so paths of glory is a five out of five for me one of my favorite kubrick films that good job is, guys there you well, go we did another episode awesome yeah that's uh that's episode four of collector's corner but before we move on to closing i believe it's uh mr spencer's turn to pick <laughs> episode five's film spencer oh, take boy. it away yeah, I didn't know where to go because, as you two know, those listening don't know, I have so many Blu-rays that I am overwhelmed. He does. Nate has organized it <laughs> countless times. Uh, we've all lived together. We've had the closet full of all of our movies at once, and it was literally like opening up like Blockbuster. It's like, holy For shit, real. all of these movies, fantastic. <laughs> um, Linen cabinets filled with Blu-rays. <laughs> so I didn't know really where to go because we started off the show kind of going with some of our favorite movies. Uh, and some some kind of a cool additions like for you, you did the couple Criterion's uh, and then I went with this uh, taxi driver's uh, digi book and kind of stuff. So this one that I went with this for episode five next week, it's one of those triple feature multi packs that has individual movies, kind of at like a reduced price. Mm-hmm. You can kind of find them at you know pawn shops and Best Buy has them a lot. Like. I'm- I'm, you know, I'm trying to triple feature packs, uh, quadruple feature packs, action classics, or like oh, uh, wait a minute. Jim Carrey packs, like those kind of movies that you can kind of buy at like ten dollars for four movies. Is it the Aviator? What am I? What is, What Ooh. do you think I'm gonna pick? I'm curious. Well, because I have that Are triple. You, I think I, one I of don't us think has a triple pack with the Aviator, but Spencer. it's unorthodox. It's an unorthodox pick. What is? What's up? Are you gonna make us watch the Goonies? No, I am oh, not going to watch the Goonies. Oh. Um, well, no, I haven't seen it, so I, I would have watched it. Powers? Because I know that you have that triple pack. Is it, no. is it like the Spy Shack? <laughs> <laughs> triple, but like, I'd be like, like okay. Triple <laughs> sure. packs aren't always great. Usually it's like, you know, one or two. There's, you go solid movies, and you have that kind of one stinker that's there. Um, mm-hmm. But this one that I own is the triple feature pack. All three of them are fantastic movies on their own, and I could honestly watch all three of them that i could interchange and pick any one of these and i'd be happy for next week but i'm gonna go with this one i'm gonna revisit it because i just i i gotta revisit it. i don't know if you guys have seen it as well and if you don't know anything about it just go into it blind and it'll be interesting but it is a history of violence that's a great movie okay so nate I've has seen it never Viggo seen Mortensen it on is my original it. college list because back oh. in college, Spencer gave me a hundred movie list, and this was one of them. I haven't seen because, any of those. Yeah, I might movie. honestly; these might be cycling back in because True Romance and American History X are two fantastic films. But A History of Violence is a David Cronenberg film. Viggo Mortensen, um, Ed Harris, William Hurt also got an Oscar nomination for only being in the movie for thirteen minutes. Um, Shit. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, History of Violence coming next week for episode five of Collector's Corner, but that wraps it up for episode four. Um, on behalf of John Spencer, I would like to say thank you all for listening. Go out, buy some Blu rays. Heck, you know what? These guys don't like DVDs. If you're a DVD person, go out and buy a They're DVD. coasters, goddammit. It... They're coasters. Well, that, that's, that's your opinion, not theirs. But thank you guys <laughs> for listening. We appreciate you, and see ya. Toodles for Mainstream Boy. Check out my show every Monday. Please don't. Check out uh, Mainstream Boy. (laughs) Let's get started.